You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in, everybody, to another episode of the Locked On Vikings podcast, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Built Bar is a protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKED15, get 15% off of your next order. So, let's talk about the weekend. Since we last talked, a couple of things have happened. A couple of defensive backs have joined the team. One has been here before, so we'll talk about Mackenzie Alexander and Xavier Xavier Woods uh, for a little bit, but it is Mock Draft Monday. So most of today's show is going to be Mock Draft Monday, and for more in-depth stuff about both Mackenzie Alexander and Xavier Woods, Come on back later in the week. This show's on every day, and so later in the week, Wednesday or Thursday, I'm going to talk to Locked On Cowboys about Xavier Woods. We'll talk a little bit more about Mackenzie Alexander, what the slot corner does in Mike Zimmer's defense, and all sorts of interesting stuff that we can kind of uh, discuss there. But for now, uh, let's just go over the basics. So on Friday, Mackenzie Alexander signed with the Vikings, which is really interesting, right? Because of the way that that kind of that divorce happened last offseason. It seemed like Mackenzie Alexander had no interest in coming back to the Vikings at all. And he even told the Vikings that, hey, you can outbid Cincinnati by two million and I'll come back, but I'll only do it if you pay that much more. Um, and, and it sounded like the Vikings actually did have more on the table, but not enough more. And he was still pretty upset about the 2019 week 17 start sit controversy. If you weren't there uh, in week 17, meaningless game of 2019, because they already had their playoff seed locked up. Mike Zimmer put Mackenzie Alexander in that game amongst only backups, kind of insinuating that he was a backup, and he didn't like that, and then he got hurt in the game, he missed the playoffs, and it probably hurt his free agency as well, so he was rightfully pretty upset about that, he didn't want to come back, that was the last, he was in a contract year and didn't get to play in the playoffs, so he didn't want to come back, he kind of said, all right, I'm paying, you have to pay the I'm mad tax, and the Vikings said, we're not paying the you're mad tax, and that seemed like it was going to be it, well, now he comes back, and he comes back on a deal that is worth the veteran minimum, which I believe for him is uh, a little under a million dollars in a signing bonus, so so I, I don't know what that signing bonus is, at least as of this recording, um, but it's likely pretty small with the way that it was reported. So this is going to be a fairly negligible value contract with a huge value of a player. Mackenzie Alexander is a good slot corner. And again, later in the week, I'm going to get more in depth, depth about that when I have time. I don't want to rush through it now. But suffice it to say that in a defense that had all sorts of problems, and I was talking to uh, Jake Liskow over at Locked On Bengals about this a little bit, and he kind of said, listen, the, the Bengals defense had a whole bunch of problems. Mackenzie Alexander wasn't one of them, and I think that's about as high a phrase as you can get on a team that struggled as much as Cincinnati did, so I, I think that Mackenzie Alexander is probably the same slot corner we always knew, a guy who's now his assignment sound at this stage in his career. He'll be able to go make a play. He's not perfect, but he'll get the job done, and that's a nice thing to have as part of your rotation, but this also insinuates some other things about, say, Mike Hughes and Jeff Gladney, the other corners. Right now, the Vikings, if Mike Hughes is healthy, which is a huge if, the Vikings have five starting quality corners on the roster, which would kind of insinuate that they don't think all of those guys are starting quality. Otherwise, they wouldn't have gone out and gotten extra ones. This might not be true because Mackenzie Alexander cost as much as a backup corner would. So I don't know, maybe they just are like fine with that rotation. The Vikings have, I mean, it's Mike Zimmer, right? They've always been open to having redundancies at corner. It's not something they see as a, as a negative at all. So maybe not, right? But 
if it means Mike Hughes' rehab isn't going great, maybe Mike Hughes' I mean, neck injuries, especially an exacerbated neck injury. He got the neck injury in 2019, and then he, he re-aggravated that injury in 2020, and it's a neck. That's really scary. That's retirement stuff. There's also Jeff Gladney to consider, who really, really struggled his rookie year. That's not abnormal for rookie corners. Cameron Dantzler struggled plenty, too, before he turned it on at the end of the year. Every rookie corner struggled in 2020, and rookie corners in general have, have a tough time. There's a lot of uh, things to learn, but if that signals a lack in, of confidence in him, that one I, I feel like it's tougher to, to buy into. Like, just having a veteran to compete with, they see as only a good thing. They don't see it as a, a referendum on the player, but it's going to make training camp really, really interesting with this cornerback group. And of course, it means some pretty rough stuff for guys like Chris Boyd or Harrison Hand, who now are going to be fighting for roster spots when previously you kind of thought that they were shoe-ins to make it. Either way, the secondary is rounded out because later on in the weekend, the Vikings signed Xavier Woods, the safety out of Dallas. Now, if you've been listening to this show, you know that I'm a huge fan of this because I've been pitching Xavier Woods since before free agency even started. And the reason is that the, the scheme that he played in, what Mike Nolan was doing with his safeties was very similar to what Mike Zimmer does with his safeties. And that gave us a really, really good kind of litmus test. It gave us a good environment to go watch Cowboys tape and see, do I want that guy? And he played pretty well as a free safety. He played like I would say good Sendejo. When Sendejo was playing well, it was very close to what we saw from Xavier Woods, which you should be excited about. Good Sendejo. This isn't friendly fire Sendejo. This isn't miss every tackle Sendejo, you know, 2014 Sendejo. That was kind of a punching bag. This is, he played well. He's in the right spot. He's where he's supposed to be. He breaks on the ball really, really fast, and he's really, really aggressive. Again, we'll talk a little bit more about this uh, later in the week, but in in brief with Xavier Woods, what you're getting is very, very aggressive and very, very explosive uh, burst out of a, a certain position, right? So at safety, a lot of times you have to break on the ball, and the first couple of steps are just like lightning quick, and it's really, really exciting. And once he gets to the ball carrier, he tends to miss tackles, and that's going to be your general book on him. That's the pros and cons. He gets to the ball very quickly, he can contest everything, tackling form leaves a lot to be desired, uh, and he's not exactly, uh, he hasn't really put up the big plays you would hope for from a free safety. He's jumping the ball a lot, but he hasn't generated those interceptions. But his play style, to me, could gener generate a lot of those interceptions. If he got a little bit luckier, he seems like the kind of guy that could just like randomly break out and have a ridiculous year and could also just like totally fall apart and melt down and give up a, an 82-yard touchdown on a play because he took the wrong angle, right? So I don't think he's a one-to-one -one Anthony Harris replacement in terms of style. I don't think he's exactly the same guy, but he'll take over the same role. He'll be the starter. And he signed for a $1.75 million contract, which is, again, once you factor in the player on the roster that he displaces in the top 51 and all that stuff. It's a fairly negligible amount of cap. So these are two defensive backs that are coming in that are starting quality. Mackenzie Alexander might start as well as Xavier Woods, but even if he doesn't, they're starting quality players being brought in for like less than cumulatively what Stephen Weatherly cost. It's very, very good value, and the secondary feels rounded out and complete. Now, any rookies that get added to it, I think they could still probably use a rookie safety in the third round or something like that, since both of these are one-year deals, but it does kind of signal, okay, the secondary is complete. We do not need to worry about the secondary. We can luxury add a safety to it if it happens to come to us in the draft, but we can now focus our attention elsewhere 
like the offensive line reports are that they're still work, working something out with some offensive linemen. It sounds like they've got some offers out there and they're seeing who bites, at least if you pay attention to the people with sources. Um, that's kind of what they're all implying, that they've got a lot of offers on the table. Some names that have been mentioned, like Forrest Lamp and Austin Blythe, are really interesting. Even Eric Fisher, who's very interesting. Um, and it seems like that's going to be kind of the last move of free agency. They're going to get one more offensive lineman and then we head into the draft. And that's probably when the Harrison Smith extension and then maybe we even start talking to Daniel Hunter. And that's kind of where then the, the contract part of the front office t- turns its focus. So that's where we're at. So I, I know I blazed through all that stuff. We're going to talk about those two guys a lot more later in the week again, but we got mock draft Monday to get to, and it's a really fun one. So I also want to make sure I have the time to do all of that justice. But first, let's talk a little bit about Grambling. The Elite Eight, both men's and women's, is set. Talking about college basketball, March Madness. If you want to place a few wagers or if you want to bet on NFL futures, if you want to bet on Xavier Woods interception totals or something like that, you can get head on over to betonline.ag. That is your one-stop shop for all things betting. You can even bet on the Oscars if you want. Just head on over to betonline.ag on your computer of your mobile device. If you haven't made an account, you can make one for free. And uh, on your first deposit, enter promo code Locked On, all one word, you get a 50% welcome bonus. That means whatever money you put in for your first deposit, you get 50% additionally. You get half of that money additionally matched for free by betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the radio.com app or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm sure there's a whole bunch of March Madness information there if you want to get some coverage on that. But now, let's turn our attention to Mock Draft Monday. So if you haven't been with us for these, uh, here are the rules. I can't take anybody I've taken in either of the last two weeks. Any trades I take have to make sense on the draft chart because sometimes the simulator uh, gives you some weird trades and I don't want to exploit that. That doesn't make for a very good simulation. And that's it. That's all we have for restrictions right now. So uh, let's get into it. And I wanted to try to trade down for Elijah Vera Tucker again. This is like the goal of the offseason. I will get Elijah Vera Tucker in one of these. It did not work again. But I wanted to try doing it more responsibly. Last time I traded all the way down to, to 25. It didn't work very well. So this time I'm just going down a few spots. 17 with Las Vegas. They let me go down for uh, pick 121. So I picked up an extra fourth rounder to go down a few spots. And at 16, Arizona took Elijah Vera Tucker. So crap. I did not think he would go at 16. He went at 16. It's probably closer to where he's going to go in real life. It seems like his stock is just kind of climbing and climbing as he is like the consensus best like interior offensive lineman out there. So we have to pivot again. Our needs have changed a little bit. Last time we took Trevon Moore because we didn't have a safety. Now we've got a lot of secondary stuff set. You know, we're not as into JC Horn or whatever. All four of the first round edges are left. That's Jason Owe, Quiddy Pay, Gregory Rousseau, and Aziz Ajilari out of Georgia. Those are the guys that, at least on uh, the Draft Network's board, are seen as first-round edge prospects. Um, Jalen Phillips was also there if you were interested in that. So no edges off the board. We had our pick of the litter, and at 17, I still felt that that was a little too high. I still felt I could eke a little bit more value out of that, so I went all the way down to 24 in a uh, 2020-style kind of double trade to go down uh, a whole bunch of spots, and I felt like I would be okay getting one of those edge rushers. And if edge rushers started coming off the board, now I've got a bunch of ammo, I can always trade back up and kind of... uh, get a little bit of return value on them. But I picked, uh, I went down to 24. I also got my second rounder now. I moved pick 78 back up to the second round to be picked 55. And to make the math work out, I had to give, the sim didn't make me do this, but I made me do this, give uh, pick 168 for 
pick 216. So I moved a fifth rounder down to a sixth rounder. I moved a third rounder up to a second rounder, and I moved, I slid down seven more spots in the first round. None of the edges went except for Aziz Ajulari, uh, who was not the guy that I was into. I've been agonizing, though, over Jason Oa versus Quiddy Pay. And I've talked about Quiddy Pay a lot, so I, I kind of just, for the sake of talking about him, took uh, Jason Oa, but I think there is a real... Uh, argument to be made to take him. Now, both of these guys have a lot of, ah, you know, they've got all this athleticism, but they don't have pass rush moves, and you kind of have to teach them a lot about the position before they're like pro-ready, day one, starter ready. And so there's a question about what you're going to get from them day one. I think Quiddy Pay is going to give you more day one, um, but I have taken him in a previous sim. So I, that decision is one in real life I would be thinking a lot about, but of course it's Jason Oway because I've already taken him. So I took Jason Oway, the Penn State edge rusher, and I uh, uh, he's got a ridiculous broad jump, which we've learned matters a lot to the Vikings. Um, and I think this is a very Vikings-y pick. And this is somebody that, you know, Andre Patterson can mold. And he kind of becomes that the next Daniel Hunter. We have that guy every year. And so that's who I, I took with this pick. And that brings me down to pick 55. This is another situation where in real life, I'd be trading up for Wyatt Davis. I think he is far and away the most exciting interior offensive line prospect next to Elijah Vera Tucker. Um, and I, I don't think that the other guys, which are Creed Humphrey and Landon Dickerson, are that exciting. Also, Alex Leatherwood is there. He might need to move to guard uh, the Alabama tackle. So I was kind of there choosing, but Creed Humphrey was off the board at, by this point. I, again, I maybe would have traded up, but I, I stood pat at, at 55 and a couple of linemen from Alabama fell that I could choose between Alex Leatherwood and uh, Landon Dickerson, the center and the tackle, both of which would move to guard. So the position switch thing is not really a factor because we'd have to do it to either of them, although I think it's probably easier to go from center to guard than from tackle to guard. Offensive line people might disagree with me. I think that's more controversial. But both of these guys struggled zone blocking in the second level, but with Leatherwood, it was more about a skill in finding himself and he would get like whiffed on, he would like whiff on quicker linebackers and he's going to, that's going to get exposed so bad in the end. NFL. Um, both of them are decent pass protectors. Both of them have, you know, strong base, sand in their pants and stuff like that. So that's not a concern that I have. Um, with Leatherwood, he also has a functional athleticism problem, and it seems more like tested athleticism. And that seems like something I'm more willing to put up with than bad tape. Alabama didn't ask him to go into the second level all that often, which might even be more telling, but it seemed like he did okay there where Alex Leatherwood just like whiffed a lot and lunged and had all these bad habits he got to work out. Where Dickerson, he has maybe not as much get up and go at the second level and as much athleticism, but seemed to be a little bit more controlled. And, and he's kind of, you know, learned how to deal with with what his body offers him a little better. And that means that he's going to be a little bit easier to develop. And that's what I'm really after. So easier to develop. He can pass protect. We can move him to guard and uh, we can see if this works out. So I took uh, Landon Dickerson, the center out of Alabama, and now we pr might have an interior offensive line that is made of all centers. Continuing on in day three, uh, pick 90 is coming up and the wide receivers were coming off the board. And this is one. So uh, Diami Brown, who we've taken in the sim already, so he's off limits, but he's somebody that I really like and somebody I would trade up for. He was sitting there at 85. A run on wide receivers was going. There had been two wide receivers off the board and I want to get a wide receiver three. So I would trade up for Diami Brown. And I figured I'm going to do the trade up for the sake of simulating and then just take a different wide receiver to talk about. So I traded up. I used a sixth round pick to trade up from 90 to 85. That actually is pretty value positive on the trade chart, so I might, maybe shouldn't have allowed myself to do that, but I'm only moving up five spots in 
the third round. I'm giving up a sixth rounder. I'm sure a lot of people in the league would even say, ah, no, you probably actually got the worst end of that trade. Whatever. I wanted to make sure I got a wide receiver. Turned out all these guys, uh, no other wide receivers came off the board anyways. But I was choosing between Tylen Wallace, who is like a slot only um, kind of struggles on the outside, and, and I don't love that fit, and Dwayne Eskridge, who has, like, no route tree, and he's only a burner. I don't really like either of these two wide receivers. Again, I would take Diami Brown in real life, but for the sake of it, let's focus on special teams a little bit, where Dwayne Eskridge can be more of a returner and just say, all right, we got a speedy guy, have him run go routes down the field and clear out routes, and he can also help us with our return problem. Special teams was really bad, so getting some help there, which I'm actually going to focus on more on day three, is uh, not the worst idea. So I went with Dwayne Eskridge. He is the wide receiver out of Western Michigan, and we'll hope we can teach him a route tree, and if not, at least he can be a returner. So it's time to talk about Built Madness. We're in the final four, I think, of Built Madness, so we're getting there, but we have an edge rusher, an interior offensive line, and a wide receiver, and now it's time to build some death. So it is time for Built Madness. We are on a quest, I guess, to find the best flavor of Built Bar, the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. Today's matchup is Caramel Brownie versus Coconut Brownie Chunk. Coconut Brownie Chunk is the last coconut one left. If we can if we can off coconut brownie chunk here, which is really good. It's a really good flavor, and I'm not even a coconut lover, obviously. Uh, but I think I still have to go caramel brownie, which is also an elite one. Um, we've got cookies and cream and cookie dough chunk coming tomorrow. Mint brownie is still in the mix. So today is uh, the last round of the Elite Eight, and then it's the final four, of course, the next couple of days. If you want to try any of these for yourself, you can go to builtbar.com or at bar underscore built on Twitter. You can vote. And if again, if you want to sample them and you make sure you're making a good decision, you can buy some Built Bar. Promo code LOCKED15 will give you 15% off of your order. That's LOCKED15, all one word, for 15% off of your order at builtbar.com. The draft is coming up, so it's time to start following our duo of lovely podcasts at the Locked On NFL Podcast Network. The Draft Dudes Podcast watches every prospect so that you don't have to, and the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast is your daily draft news and mock draft podcast. Follow the Locked On NFL Draft and Draft Dudes Podcasts on the Radio.com app or wherever you get your shows. So, let's blitz through day three here. I've traded away a lot of the picks, and of course the Vikings traded away one of their picks since last time we did one of these, so there's less to get through, but still a lot, so forgive my pace here. We're at pick 119. This is our natural fourth round pick. And uh, here's the thing. We have a really good first and second uh, second down interior, right, with Dalvin Tomlinson and Michael Pierce. But the problem is those guys come off on third downs, or at least they did at their former teams. So we kind of need a little bit of a third down pass rush and stand up Stephen Weatherly and all that, oh, that's not good enough. I want a third down pass rusher. So I went and found Jalen Twyman. He's an edge rusher or an interior, a three tech out of, out of pit. He's thin. He's bendy. He's like Hercules Mata'afa, but on purpose. And so he can kind of shore up that third down pass pass rush problems the free agent acquisitions have created. And now you've kind of turned those acquisitions into an, an efficiency thing where they've turned you into, oh my goodness, we have to spend a first round pick on Christian Barmore to we spent some cap space on the problem to solve 90% of it and we're solving the other 10% of it with a fourth round pick. And I think that that's maybe a little bit more efficient and a, a more efficient way of kind of spreading out those assets. So next up, we're at pick 121. This is the one we got from the in initial Las Vegas trade down. Uh, I, I wanted to double dip on wide receiver, mostly because I was mad about Eskridge and not being able to take Diami Brown because of my own self-imposed rules. So I wanted to get a, a reliable rotational guy in case Dwayne Eskridge just cannot be put on the field and we still are like worrying about Chad Beebe. So I went and got Chad Beebe, but he can catch, and that's Frank Darby out of Arizona State. He's a low-ceiling athlete, which is why he's going to be available in the fourth round, might even be available a lot later than that, but he's got a lot of competitiveness, he's got decent routes, he's got kind of decent everything, but nothing is good, um, and, and his athleticism 
athleticism is low ceiling, which doesn't make him a particularly exciting guy, but he's going to be like a backup and he's going to be able to come in as your wide receiver four sometimes rotate in, take a couple snaps and not ruin the play for you, which has been something the Vikings haven't had. And that gives you a floor, right? If Dwayne Eskridge doesn't work out, you still get some rookie influx here. And this is a pick that we got for trading down. So I had two more fourth round picks. I probably could have traded up in the second or third if I wanted to, but the board didn't fall in such a way where I really wanted to trade up any more than I did from 90 to 85. And that only cost a six. So I just like picking in all these fourth round. Listen, I had enough mid round picks. I traded a couple into next year. I took the fourth and the fifth that actually were originally digs trade picks. They were originally a fifth and a sixth from the digs trade. And both of those picks got traded in 2021 and I'm doing it again, but I'm packaging them up and I can actually get a second round pick back for that rule of thumb, those fourth and fifth rounders equal about a third rounder in value. I could have traded those two up to pick again in the third round if I wanted to. And if you want to go a year later, you kick the the pick around up so I can go a next year second with that. It's shoddy. I might be fudging my rules a little bit, but it barely works out and I'm allowing it. So not quite as many volume of rookies, but I did get an extra 2022 second round pick. That seems like a valuable thing, much more valuable than fourth and fifth will be right now. So next up, pick 134 is going to be a safety that I'm actually pretty excited about. It's James Wiggins. He's a safety out of Cincinnati. Um, He is, I, I really like him down here because he's a great fit. He's a split safety. He can play box. He can play slot corner if he has to. He's not a particularly exciting, like rangy free safety, which is not really what the Vikings will ask of him. So all the, a lot of the knocks on him are knocks the Vikings won't care about. And so I think down here, this is the very end of the fourth round. The fit makes him a good backup safety. The Vikings still don't have rounded out safety depth. They've figured out, you know, they've got Xavier Woods up at, up at the top. They've got like Josh Metellus. Maybe they move Harrison Hand or something like this. It gets really weird after that. So I think uh, injecting another fifth round rookie, fifth round rookie safety, see if that guy can't make the team or at least make it that much harder to make the team. Um, and, and I think that that'll work. Or fourth round rookie, I think that'll make it work. And, and, and I think he will make the team comfortably if he came to Minnesota. Uh, pick 143 is what is up next. That actually is the fourth round compensatory pick we got for Trey Waynes. And I am taking an absolute shot in the dark on this player. This player is going to be the first of this year's players of the day. That's right. Every single show from here until draft day, there's going to be one player of the day, prospect of the day. So we are going to make sure we cover at least one NFL draft prospect in every show. Of course, we cover a bunch in Mock Draft Monday. So today's is going to be part of the Mock Draft, and it is Michigan cornerback Ambry Thomas. Ambry Thomas is a little bit of an unknown, I guess, with the Michigan Wolverines. He opted out in 2020, so we haven't seen him there. And this is kind of one of those, this is a stab that I like to take here in uh, in this particular draft is guy who was good, but then opted out. So there's some uncertainty that's going to scare teams away. This is the kind of fifth round risk that I want to, or fourth round risk that I want to be taking. He's fast, press man, uh, good physical corner, although he's a little bit thin. It kind of reminds me of Cameron Dantzler's play style a little bit. He's thin, he's quick, and he jams you at the line more than you think, but he's probably got to put on weight to to excel in the NFL. I think Cameron Dantzler probably is an outlier you shouldn't try to replicate. Um, so this is why it's a late fourth round pick, right? And then, of course, he opted out in 2020, so you have to kind of reconcile with how much you trust the tape you've seen from a couple of years ago and, and not, you know, having seen him play for a while. So again, this is a big shot in the dark. This is a big risky play, but as a backup corner to kind of further crowd that bottom of the roster, really create some tough competition there. And hopefully somebody good rises out of that. That's a really big football philosophy, right? I think that's worth that pick 140, 134, that compensatory fourth round pick. We actually only have one pick left. It's pick 216. It's the Vikings natural fifth rounder, which got moved down to the sixth round in my trade with the Steelers for me to uh, 
get my third round pick up to the second so I could go get Landon Dickerson. Um, so this is a sixth round pick. And here's the thing. I'm doing something that's very off brand for me. I'm taking a running back. The Vikings lost Mike Boone, and that's not a player that you need to work very hard to replace. And I don't think drafting one in the sixth round is working very hard to replace it. And I think putting a little bit of competition in for Amir Abdullah, who's a fine player. He's signed for the veteran minimum. And I don't think that he should be anointed a roster spot. He makes a lot of good plays on special teams, and I think he will make the team, but I think he should just have to go through those paces to earn it. I am usually very against drafting running backs, but I also think this could have some special teams value. I think Frank Darby could have some special teams value as well, so I'm kind of trying to focus on getting better, you know, kickoff coverage and trying to shore up some of those problems that really did affect the Vikings. They had the worst starting field position in the league, I think on both sides of the ball. It was really, really a bad unit, but I wanted to make sure that I was getting a wise running back and not just any old whoever, so I went for Khalil Herbert, running back out of Virginia Tech. They run a zone scheme over there, and he's been able to be very productive in his own scheme. He's coming off of kind of a big year in his senior year and uh, a little bit of breakout production and all that stuff. Um, and I think he can kind of occupy that running back three role where he can, you know, do one read. You can teach him just a few plays and not have to worry about leaning on him too much at all. Of course, Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison are still totally going to get most of the reps, but in the event that those guys are injured and we do have injury problems in that room, you've got a little bit more of a backup thing. If he doesn't make the team, that's not a big deal. He's a sixth rounder. If he does and you get a little bit of production out of him, then that's better than most sixth rounders do. And of course, he'll push Amir Abdullah's roster spot, and I think that's a valuable thing to do. Even if it doesn't change what the roster spot would have ended up being, you made it that much harder to get there, and that means that they the only scenarios where it doesn't change your scenario where it didn't have to. I'm sure there are other players around here that could have provided some value, but I do feel like I addressed need very well here and I moved around the board. I feel a lot better about this draft than I do about the last couple of drafts. I think Jason Owe is a really exciting prospect. Might have taken Quiddy Pay in real life, but he was off limits, of course. Might have taken, traded up for Wyatt Davis in real life, but he was off limits and nobody else really felt like they were worth trading up for. Getting Landon Dickerson out of Alabama feels pretty good. I don't like the Dwayne Eskridge uh, pick, but I probably would have taken Diami Brown um, instead, but I like that even if it's rotational or even special teams with Dwayne Eskridge, it seems like everybody's going to be able to come in and do something, right? Frank Darby will get a couple of reps. Khalil Herbert will get a couple of reps. Even like the Ambry Thomas and James Wigginses of the world are going to play on special teams. Jalen Twyman, he'll play in third down. Dwayne Eskridge, at worst, he'll be a returner or at least can compete for that returner job. Um, I, that's the pick that's really ruining this one for me, but otherwise, I'm, I'm really happy with the way this one turned out, the way that I moved things around. I picked up a second round pick next year and still got a pretty good influx of, of young talent. I feel a lot better about this draft than I do about last. If you listen to me last week, I was kind of dejected. I was like, yeah, I think I messed this one up, but this week I feel a lot better. So tomorrow's Twitter Tuesday. I'm still taking your questions, so make sure you send them in at NFL on Twitter, at LockedOnVikings on Twitter. You can also send me an email, LockedOnVikingsPodcast at gmail.com. There's a Google form in the show notes if you would prefer that way as well. We'll answer all your questions. We'll still have more prospects of the day, and of course we'll talk about those new defensive backs later in the week as well. Hope you guys stick around. I'll see you all tomorrow, and as always, Skull.